You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we hear from Fran Mulligan. Fran gets really vulnerable about her mental health issues over the years and just how exercise has helped her with those. Not only that, but she recently in the last 12 months has had a push bike accident, which has left her with an acquired brain injury. And again, it's her running and her training for triathlons that's helping her deal with that. So I hope you enjoy and get a lot out of this episode. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am delighted to introduce you all to Fran Mulligan. Welcome to the podcast, Fran. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks. I really appreciate you having me on. I'm very excited to talk to you because we have some mutual friends now in Tasmania, and but I've never met you. So this is going to be an exciting sort of, you know, me meeting you, you meeting me and learning a bit about each other. And, you know, meanwhile, other people are listening, which is that's the only difference from a normal getting to know you conversation. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's so. fine. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves an audience, don't they? That's fine. They do. yeah, well, some people don't. Some people, some people don't. No, that's true. I know. <laughs> that's I'm true. Like, some people don't. What do you mean public speaking is a scary thing? Like, I quite yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. like weird. Yeah. Anyway, obviously I enjoy it. I'm, I'm an extrovert, not the the intro. It's Actually, weirdly, it's funny these tangents that these podcasts go on, but you you tend to hear more when people are an introvert you tend to, they will tell you that more than when people are an extrovert. Have you noticed that? Yes, absolutely. That that, yes. No, that's not just you, but it's like, yeah, I have noticed that, but nobody's ever put that into, yeah. So now that you say that. Yeah, it's isn't very, that funny? Because like, oh, it's yeah, kind of an extroverted really thing to do yeah. to say, I'm an introvert, but I'm, you don't yes. hear that many people say, I'm an extrovert. It's kind no, of No, like, you don't. That's very true. Yeah. Anyway, it's funny. Oh, well, moving on and actually to why we're here rather than talking about introverts and extroverts. Um, tell me, Fran, where did you grow up? Let's go um, so I was um, born over in Western Australia, but I didn't, um, but we weren't there for very long. So I yep. moved to um, to Queensland for just a couple of years after, after mm-hmm. that when I was maybe about three. Um, and then moved to Tasmania when I was uh six five or six um almost a Tasmanian then I I still claim it I still claim it so yeah moved to Tassie when I I must have been about six so and then grew up in Launceston up there so I claim that I'm a Tasmanian um and I certainly I certainly feel like my roots are here um you know a lot of my um in fact almost all my extended family's here so you know accept me as an honorary Tasmanian pretty please <laughs> I think I've been here most of my life on and off mostly uh, but was born in Melbourne and I used to have that kind of thing in my head too it's like oh am I Tasmanian or am I really yeah. Victorian because I spent the first six months of my life in Victoria <laughs> I still claim it I still claim it <laughs> but yeah I think I'm probably Tasmanian <laughs> and most of my kids are born here that's probably counts too I don't know <laughs> yep yep my my daughter's both born here so yes yep, oh, very much lovely all right before we get to your children, so you, it sounds like you came to Launceston. That's where you would have done all of your schooling. Would I be yes, right? yep, yep, at um at St Patrick's College in Launceston. Ah, so, well known school yep. here. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, what, what was sport like for you at school? Uh, it was a bit of a non-event. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I was very, very academically focused. So I discovered like ever since primary school, um, I, I, I loved school and I, you know, without sounding like I had tickets on myself, I knew I was good at it. I was yeah. good at it and I really loved the learning and I loved the studying and it was something that I found really early on that I was really good at. So it was very academically focused and I knew um, oh, right from, you know, whatever whatever age it is that kids start to realise what a job is that I yeah. wanted to be a vet. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so which, you know, you talk to any vet, they'll tell you the same thing. They've wanted to do it for their entire lives. No career choice has even entered their head most of the time. Wow. Um, yeah, so honestly, the entirety, I'm not exaggerating when I say the entirety of school was me focusing on getting into vet school, which was very, that? yeah, which was very difficult. So, so, like, you know, I know a tiny bit about you, which we'll get into, but it sounds like you were quite driven from that young age. Very. Like, and yeah, for very. those of us who I think I wanted to be a doctor or a vet, but I wasn't as focused as you, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. and I can remember actually being quite envious of people yeah. who had that. And even now um, I will sometimes bring up the fact that I'm, although I'm not religious in any way, I'm kind of envious of say nuns who seem to have their whole um, purpose or whatever ahead of, and especially those who are right into it. And it's like, there's no question about what they do every day or what, what, direction of their life is that's already planned out there's some sort of freedom to that in its kind of constrictedness yeah yeah (laughs) and I think like in my um my very you know like my very focused Mm. career career driven I I just I never I never understood my classmates who said I don't really know what I want to be I'm just picking subjects based on you know I think they might be interesting or you know and I still picked my subjects based on what I liked but everything was was leading towards that entry yeah the entry so yeah just um my um I I did start I started playing hockey in Mm -hmm. grade maybe grade 11 I must have been about 17 when I started playing hockey my mum um is an ex ex state um wow yeah so Mm -hmm. she's been sporty you know she always has been and she was going for olympic selection and didn't quite make it yeah didn't quite make it so she's, you know, and she's um, had quite a strong sort of sporting background. So yeah. I started playing hockey nowhere near as well as mum did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I started doing that in year 11 because I wanted to just, you know, see what mum was so passionate about. And so I just played for the school, not particularly yeah. well, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, but, can- I, yeah, that was that was kind of the first foray into it. Can you remember like younger at school and having to do, you know, things like cross country and sporting carnivals and things? Do you remember, like, because you would have had to compete even though Mm -hmm. I assume like most schools in Australia are like that. Do you remember what you thought about? You just did it because that's what you had to do and then you moved on. Hated it. (laughs) Hated it. Absolutely hated it. (laughs) So if you told me to go and, you know, go and, like these days, you know, go and go for a trail run or effectively yeah. do cross country. I was like, oh, yes, that's amazing. Great. It's on my program. Go for a run. Back then, you know, school country, school cross country day. Oh, no, I hate it. <laughs> so, yeah, like actively really disliked it. And
Hmm. Yeah, I just, I kind of, I don't know, teenager, you know, um, so I, and I was, so I wasn't good at it. So I guess I kind of, um, I guess I kind of was, oh, no, I'm not good at this. I, you know, I, I don't want to put my focus here. I'm just, it's distracting me from what I want to do, which is, which is study and get into uni. So yeah, I really didn't like it at the time. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Before we move on to your study, did, do you have siblings? Yes. A brother and a sister. Yeah. And were they very sporty at school? Um, that time? My sister, no, my brother, no, um, mm-hmm. no, he just had no real interest in it. Um, my sister was a dancer so she yeah so she and she she you know continued dancing well beyond um so she took it to do that uni did it a fine arts degree got a oh, dance wow. degree so yeah so she's been quite that way inclined yeah yeah quite artistic and quite sporty so yeah. and, and when you said you lived in Launceston do you you lived in a suburb or did you live on the outskirts of Launceston? no I lived in um in Kings Meadows okay yeah so yeah. In, in a sort of suburban kind of environment yep, yep. Mm-hmm. um all right, so this study academic young lady, what did she do when she finished year 12? Where did she head? She headed to Western Australia to vet school. Of course, back to the place yeah. you spent a yes. short yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was funny because it kind of, yeah, it was yeah, it was like going back to my roots almost. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so I was lucky enough to get into vet school straight out of high mm-hmm. school. Um, Excellent. Which... Yeah, for, I mean, I guess for a lot of people is uh, is a pretty it's a hard thing to do because a lot of people, you know, um, don't get the score they need and then go on and do like another sort of um, it's a very you know entry school. year. Mm. Yeah, mm. so do a, like a biomedical science or whatever and then yeah. transfer across to vet school. Mm. Thankfully, I was yeah I was lucky enough to get in into the, my uni of choice, which was Murdoch in Western Australia. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I went out of year twelve. You left home. How was yeah. that? Like at like 17, I suppose, 17, 18? Yeah, I was 18, yep. yep. Um, 18 turning 19. Mm-hmm. And do you know, honestly, I hadn't even, I it was pretty, it was daunting because it was across the country and I knew no one in Western yeah. Australia. Wow. But it was like, well, there's no question. It's just that was always what I wanted to do. So that's it was like, <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to happen. It was just, you know, that was, there was no question that it didn't matter. It was daunting yeah. because that was what was going to happen. And how did that go? How did it go, the study? Um, oh, yeah, you know, I loved I loved was, uni days. It was everything it was, that you that you dreamed because sometimes we have these pictures yep, and it's like yep. you get there and you go, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it met and exceeded expectations. Oh, and I awesome. think what was, what was really nice was that, you know, to get into vet school, you just that that's got to be your, for, like for a large majority of the years leading up to it that's got to be your mindset is is mm. you know to get into it mm. and so once you're actually there you're in amongst all of these other people that have that same mindset and who are all really driven really goal focused yeah. and no one thinks you're weird for that that's so <laughs> like yeah it's like kind of almost it felt like it was coming home because it was found like your, found your people yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was joining these people who had that same sort of mindset and who, yeah, completely understood a sole focus, you know, yeah. a, an absolute razor focus on wanting to do something. That's so, amazing. It, yeah. It's just quite different. And, and like um, I don't mean, you know, becoming a vet's quite different, but that having that focus, I've got teenagers in the house at the moment and um, 
that is a bit of a, they, they are the ones that you don't understand. Like, say, like, what do you want to do? I still don't know what I want to do. You know, it's like yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. having that real focus and being able to then maintain it for what, you know, effectively a decade or two, I would assume, if you started in sort of high school and then by the time you get through your 20s and pop out, you know, near the end of your 20s at as a vet side. or yeah. something. It's like, yeah. well, that's quite a I long mean, time. It- it, yeah, and, and it came, like, it wasn't all, it came with a lot of anxiety around mm. it. So, you know, there was, like, you know, being that kind of, having that real razor focus, you know, really, you've got to have the, the slightly neurotic, um, obsessive type A personality mm-hmm. perfectionist to go along with it. You know, mm. so teenage me, um, who clearly, you know, just wasn't fantastically attuned to my own, you know, that, that's my focus. And if I don't get it, then it's going to be this massive failure on my part. Mm. So it came with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So, so I was going yeah. to ask, I mean, we usually talk about this in relation to running or sport or whatever, but how did you cope with, I assume everything didn't always go the way you planned because that's life. No. Um, yeah. how, how did you cope in those moments? You were sort of, I guess you're alluding to it there, that it wasn't always easy when it didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I was not good at it. I was not good at coping with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and this is something that a lot of people find really, really confronting, but my outlet for a while was self-harm. Yeah. So I was very, very, you know, I was really, um, I wasn't good at coping with it and I wasn't good at recognizing that that was what was happening and I had no other outlet for it. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was really just, you know, I was, I felt, I guess I felt kind of, um, weighted down by this whole by my life's purpose you know Mm -hmm. which I just didn't know how to deal with so it sounds really dramatic but that was like Mm -hmm. it sounds really dramatic but that was inside the mind of this teenager who hadn't really got the emotional maturity and the you know the emotional regulation or had found any sort of outlet that was just Mm. yeah so for a long time you know and I didn't like I didn't really recognize that that was a Mm. that was an abnormal thing to do Um, you know it was just that was the outlet that was the outlet and that's what helped me cope um Mm. yeah and it was just I think being so incredibly terrified of letting people down and of failing and Mm -hmm. yeah so that's how that manifested which oh wow you know even now thinking about it and you know talking about it it's quite it's 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 quite difficult I think it's it's very very isn't it like it's it is really confronting it's one of the subjects um that our society doesn't deal with so yeah, it's, it's very confronting and very you know, brave kind of, to talk about it. So well, <laughs> and you. but this is where I'm. This is what I'm so passionate about is mm-hmm. that that sort of thing, it needs to be spoken about. And so this Absolutely. is what I what I love of what you're kind of doing on this podcast is starting that conversation. So, you know, I still I I just think that you know for that sort of um, really perfection driven anxious teenager out there, mm-hmm. you know it kind of it gets better and there's help available and you know or just yeah it's it's a I think it's a really important conversation to have despite the fact that it's confronting yeah even sometimes I think we don't say enough about and it sounds like trivializes it but whatever you're going through right now it's a season or it's a whatever it's more than likely not going to last yep yep and if you can reflect at all on on positive times in your life, you know, understanding that they will come again, that just, mm-hmm. and we all have, you know, down times. Um, 
it's but it, you know it's that it's easy to see on reflection a lot of that stuff yeah isn't it? it's, it's when well, you're in the middle of it it's like yes not that absolutely easy absolutely and so. and that that is the and that's the emotional maturity that I didn't have at the mm. time mm-hmm. to see that if I didn't get into vet school straight out straight out of high school yeah. that I was failing you know I'm, I wasn't failing you just mm. pick yourself up and you try again you know mm. but the emotional maturity and the outlet wasn't there so that's mm. how that manifested and I remember um when I was going in for my C-section, um, about to have twin newborn daughters, my student midwife who had been following my journey the entire way and who was going to be in with my C-section took my hand and she looked at me and she said, Fran, this is some really, really important advice that I want you to remember. And she said, everything will pass. It yeah. will pass. Yeah. So it's like, and like that, it's like those, those, these words that I've just clung to from then, because it's so true. It's like, you're in the trenches and, you know, you're in the trenches of, mm-hmm. you know, twin newborn daughters and you're in the trenches of whatever it is that you're going through at the moment, but it will, it will pass. It will. And you it can't will. see that at the time, no. but it will, it you just... know? So, and I just <laughs> love that that's what she said to me because they are seriously words from that day that I have just carried here, like really close to my heart. You need on a t-shirt. Yeah, or exactly. Because, yeah, like everything passes. Everything will pass. Yeah, I love it will that. pass. That's everything so is a phase, and it will pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good and bad. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, we often talk yes. um, talk in the life coach world about um, the fact we have bad things happen. Like I'm obviously to most people um, very optimistic. It's my personality. It's whatever. My husband complains all the time because he'll be whinging about something, and I will instantly find the positive path through it and he goes stop doing that you know and it, because because actually the reason that we it's not the reason life is not all smell like roses and and wonderful yeah. it's just not yeah. and not for anyone nobody gets through life without bumps and scratches and things but if you embrace some of those bumps and scratches but realizing that Without those, you don't have the contrast contrast between what's when things are really awesome because you see mm. an amazing view, you have a fantastic run, the birth of a child or whatever. You, there are things in your life where you could say, oh, that was a, an awesome day. But if all of your life was awesome, there's no contrast. There's no, there's no contrast. contrast. And yeah. it would be boring. Yeah. It's whatever. So yeah. <laughs> it's not to say that we have to have horrible things uh, in order to, uh, to in, enjoy the positive but it is one way to look at it a bit, which mm. makes it a bit more you know, yeah. survivable, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And we're all in it yep. together. We're all yeah, in it. yeah, exactly. And, you know, that there's nothing there's nothing so bad that you can't talk about it, I guess, yeah. you know, which is what I, exactly. which is what I felt I as a teenager, which I think would have just helped if yeah. I'd just gone to mum and said, if I'd just gone to my mum and said, mum, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't mm. get into vet school. I am so anxious about it and I'm so scared that I'm going to fail. Yeah. Like, you know, it just would have been a conversation. Look, you know, I, okay, that's okay. If you don't get in, we'll figure something out. Yeah. You know, so if I just had said that instead of mm. being so consumed with shame about this was, you know, the outlet that I needed to, mm. to kind of deal with what I was, I was so ashamed and so ashamed yeah. that my brain wasn't working properly mm. you know like I'm like yeah. seriously I just I'm so ashamed this is what I'm doing and it's, yeah it's like you know if I had just and again hindsight's a wonderful thing it is, if I just yeah. sat down and just to- talked about it it I think would have really it would have really helped you know it's a hard thing to do and it's a really hard thing to put your hand up and say 
I'm really struggling. When you're young. Yeah. 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 And again, it's the emotional maturity. I think yeah. you just don't have yeah. that. And it's like, you know, you don't, you just, uh, it takes a lot of maturity, I think, and a lot of bravery to say, I'm struggling and I need help. Oh, absolutely. And, and it was well, just not something my teenage self would have even imagined <laughs> doing because it would have been that I was letting someone down and that I was failing, you know? I, I so, wonder whether, in, in, I mean, we could talk forever, haven't talked about running yet. Uh, <laughs> I wonder whether, <laughs> you know, the, the, that brings up a few things for me, including that at school we teach, or at least while I was at school, that failing is not something you wanted, you know, you yeah, really wanted exactly. to not yeah. fail. Whereas actually failure teaches us more than winning. Like if we winning or that, that achieving or that always passing or always getting credits and distinctions or whatever term you use um, actually doesn't teach us as anywhere near as much as failing does in life. And so there should be a way at school, I think, where we could celebrate the failures as well as the, the achievements. And so yeah, that would just and be, that would be you know incredible, what? wouldn't it? <laughs> It would. And it's like, it's not, you know, it's not failing either. Like it's not. Yeah. It's just a yeah, different word. That's just a word. Just, but yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, there's like, yeah, there's just, failing. you know, like if I didn't get into it, if I didn't get into vet school straight out of high school, there was, there was so many, and I know, and I know this again, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but mm. having been now in the, in the veterinary industry for 13 odd years, it's like, you, I would say that to anyone anxious about yeah. getting in. It's like if you don't get in first straight out of high school, nobody does. It's fine. Like you just yeah. there are so many other alternative pathways into it. Yeah, you're yeah. going to end up here if you want to be here. <laughs> so and yeah. we used to always say too in the like in the last couple of decades <laughs> we've been through some not so good stuff, just an ordinary you know life family stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Is just saying so what or you know. Yeah. If that happens, so what? You know, as in what is the worst? So you do that what's little. What's the worst? What's yep. the worst that could happen? Okay, well, exactly. you know, if you didn't get yep. in, as you said, you do this, this, and this. Yeah, and if that doesn't exactly. work, well, you can do that, then that. And if exactly. that didn't work, well, maybe go write books about animals. And, the, you know, I, there's just like the, actually the breadth is amazing. When you start asking the right questions, yep. you get yep. different answers often and, and can take you out of that spiral that, can, mm-hmm. that people find themselves in when confronted with that kind of anxiety. Mm. anyway you so you 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 did um obviously got to the end of your vet science because you just mm-hmm. said that you've been a vet for a while so yep. you did you did all of that in western australia is that like six or seven years or something uh it was five years when i went through it and mm-hmm. i think the year after i or the couple of years after i got in they changed they changed it so it's now like six or 300 years i think yeah for five million years it's a long <laughs> yeah, time so, it is a long time so it was five years when i went through so five years okay. i was there mm. and while you were there did you do any kind of sport at all did you um yes i i did i did just just fairly casually um yeah. i played like a casual netball roster yeah. which i'll that was something that i played in primary school and really enjoyed mm. so it was like i yeah just the, the um team was looking for players so I did that just really casually of a Monday night just went and played in the netball roster yeah and um about halfway through I joined up with a group of people who wanted to do city to surf Mm -hmm. um from my year group so I just yeah I started just running a little bit you know just running a little bit um and in amongst the um when I could fit it into my study schedule (laughs) yeah (laughs) um 
which you know in uni terms often meant the drinking schedule as well to a certain extent um but it was still pretty like yeah the social schedule Mm -hmm. but it was still it was still honestly pretty focused heavily focused well now I'm here I'm now in vet school I'm damn well gonna do well at vet school yeah so there was still that fairly heavy focus but yeah joined with a group of yeah exactly yeah joined with a group of people in my year group who wanted to do city to self so I just did the the 4k one year I was too scared to do the six. It was way too long. And well, the, I was the six. Yeah, I was too scared to do the six and way too scared to do the 12K. Wow. So there was no way I was ever going to run that fast. So, yeah, I just did the 4K and I loved it. So Well, that's interesting yeah. that you loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. and it, Yeah, I did. I loved it. So, But you didn't um, keep running or did you keep running after that? Not no. really. No, not really. Um, then, like, life kind of got in the way. So, yeah. you know, I um, Where graduated did you go? and – yeah. Where did you go when you graduated? I moved back to Tassie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got a – I was always going to come back. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one of the first places I started looking for and applying for jobs. And yeah. when I got my first job, um, I got a – yeah, got a job back here. So I moved back here. So, yeah, the, the life kind of got in the way, you know, as a new mm-hmm. graduate vet um, who was working ridiculous hours doing on-call and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff and, and first year in a rental property and – you know, trying to sort of navigate the, mm. um, like the moving across the country with my fiance and, uh, yeah. you know, navigating all the relationship challenges that came with yeah. that, you know, so life kind of got in the way. So I didn't do anything for a while. And, you know, I felt like for a long time, all I did was work or sleep. So whereabouts in Tassie did you first go to with your vet? Uh, out to Montrose, Montrose Vet Centre. Mm-hmm. Um right. Yeah, Over so hmm? yeah, yeah, hmm. and just out of just out in the um, northern suburbs. So and, yeah, and as it, are, you, are you still doing vets? You're still uh, vetting now. <laughs> Veterinarian. <laughs> yes, now. I'm still. Yes, I'm still. I I um I that's, haven't been. Yes, I'm still practicing. <laughs> yes, I'm still registered. Um, I haven't been at work for the last six months because I've had a fairly significant accident a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm still not quite in a position that I can return to work yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm still – it'll get there. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll yeah. get there. All still right. vetting. Let's go – okay, so you, we've established that you've returned to Tasmania like all good graduates should do after they go <laughs> off and get the university yeah. bring your goodies back. Um, <laughs> anyway, they don't all do that. I've got a child at the moment who's in Melbourne who's just finished – a double degree who wants to go on and do vet science actually now, but she has no plans to come back here to Tasmania. Damn it. To live. Damn it. As he needs the vets, come back. I'll tell her you said that. Yeah, anyway. as he needs the vets. <laughs> so so uh, what happened with your life? So you're you a vet, you're being a vet. When did when did running come into it or when did um sport for sport's sake rather than like just a social sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so I um, must have been, I would have been working for probably two years. Mm-hmm. And then my fiance that I moved to Hobart with left, left me. So we had a relationship breakdown. Okay. Um, and I really, really spiraled like yeah. big time. Yeah. So I was, you know, yeah, I wasn't doing well mentally for a while. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was, you know, so I was, um, back to self-harming and I was borderline suicidal for a while you know so there was a lot of 
depression and yeah. um, anxiety that really spiraled after that. Yeah. Um, so you would have been and, like 28 or something, 25, 26, um, 27, 28? Yeah, 20, 23, 24, 20, probably 25, maybe. Okay. About yeah. 25, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it hadn't really been like that sort of, you know, the mental health challenges wasn't, it wasn't something that had really plagued me during vet school because um, yeah. I felt like, you know, being with, um, finding my community and being with like-minded, really sort of driven people, I, I guess I didn't, I didn't feel quite so like I was, a bit weird you know yeah, for that yeah. so yeah and I mean I certainly had the anxiety and I was really driven by the high good grades performance but mm-hmm. you know I guess I felt like I was had a bit more of a community and I guess I was a bit older as well so mm-hmm. you know yeah. emotionally I, I'd sort of worked through a bit of that sort of you know but yeah it all came back with a vengeance mm-hmm. yeah when we had the relationship breakdown so mm-hmm. I honestly, I can remember the morning that I woke up one morning and morning and just went, I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm, I'm really sick of this. I need to, I need to do something about it. I need to. So a friend of mine at work um, at the time said, you know what? I'm so fat at the moment and I'm so unfit. So why don't you come? We could both together go and do a spin class at the gym. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh God. Okay early mornings exercise that I haven't done for years and years and years I'm currently I'm 15 odd kilos overweight all right okay if you're up for it then I am and it was amazing I got up early I got up early and I dragged myself into this gym class and I honestly thought I was going to die in this spin class I thought what am I I'm regretting all my life choices right about now (laughs) but it was amazing I finished and it was like just this euphoria and it was the simplest you know, it was the simplest people look at that and go, oh, just a spin class, you know, there's nothing to that. Yeah. But at the time it was like, this is my, the biggest achievement, you know, screw getting into vet school. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I can get on a stationary bike and yeah, pedal. Exactly. I didn't die <laughs> and I didn't die, you know. So, and, and, and that was the, that was that um, defining moment where I was like, okay, I think I can do this and I want to do something about this. So that became my outlet. That became my outlet was Mm. going to the gym. Um, And at the time I had, so I'd left Montrose because I had plans of um, traveling to the UK and doing some Mm -hmm. locum work in the UK. So I wasn't working. So I literally, my life was go to the gym three times a day or go wow. for a run. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the gym. Like going Thinking you don't do anything in it by halves. <laughs> a lot something. of people say that funnily <laughs> enough, but it became, it was my outlet. Like it, 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 all of a sudden that was what I discovered. That was my outlet. So yeah. And so out of that, then I was on my way out of the country. Mm. Um, when I met my, the man who's now my husband. So, <laughs> I was on my way out of the country and I thought, oh, whatever. I've got, you know, all right, I've got time for, I'll just have one, I'll, I'll have one date, see how it goes. Um, yeah, and then the rest is history. So I changed Did the plans you, and stayed here. You didn't leave. I was going to say, you didn't leave. I didn't, no, I didn't. I didn't leave because I met <laughs> I met Nick, my husband. Oh. Um, and he was at the time doing a bit of, quite a bit of running. Um, mm. And so I joined him in his lunchtime runs because at that like by then I'd been going to the gym that I was like, okay, I think I can give a good enough showing that I'm not going to totally embarrass myself in front of my new boyfriend. Um, 
so yeah, so I went running with him and joined some of his running, you know, his his lunchtime runs. Yeah. And it was honestly like I just had found this world, and it was, I um, I, I yeah, I, I um had my sight set on the Launceston ten, the ten mm-hmm. k's, the yeah. that's, that's the fun run. <laughs> yeah, and just thought, okay, I'm going to run ten k's. This is my my this is my my aim, this is my goal. I'm going to work towards it, and. It, it was like I'd found something that I could do that I could like, like vet school was, it turned into a huge goal and it was, that was, yeah. So I started running and working towards that and yeah, finally um, completed this 10 Ks in June in 20, whenever it was, 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. Well, almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Yes. So nine and a half yeah. years ago. Close on 10 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So that was like, yeah, and I just, I couldn't believe, like, this outlet that I'd found and it was, like, all of a sudden it was, like, my, you know, my, I still had struggles with my mental health, obviously, mm. but it became this huge outlet that was just, you know, I was feeling anxious, so I'd go and I would run and mm-hmm. I would come back still feeling, you know, like like things like things were manageable. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. it's like a I release, just, I suppose. So it felt a bit yeah, like a release yeah, in those moments yeah. when things were just getting on top of you. Yeah, and I would go and I would run or I would go to the gym or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's, that turned into a way that I'm, I managed a lot as mm. far as, you know, the anxiety and, and things like that. So, um, amazing. And then, yeah, and, I mean, I guess then it just sort of spiralled from there, really. I, I won't say spiralled, not spiralled, but it <sighs> escalated from there. It escalated from there. So the 10Ks turned into I'm going to run a half marathon. So yeah. that was the next thing I worked I worked towards. I'm going to run this half marathon. So I worked towards Cadbury, the Cadbury half mm-hmm. um, in 2014. And so I did completed that. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, I never would have thought I would ever be able to run this far. But finished the 21Ks. For a Freddo frog. For a Freddo frog, <laughs> yep. And a picture with a giant Freddo, yep. <laughs> um. And yeah, I guess like because there are so there is just so many, um, uh, like so many possibilities in you know mm. there's there's the half marathon, there's the marathon, and then there's ultra running, and then there's you know all of that. It was like wow, I don't have road. to yeah exactly. It's like I I I can always feel like I've got something as well as using it as my outlet. Mm. I've always feel like I've got something I can work towards as well, which for me is really important to help keep me. Yeah feeling like I'm grounded and kind of going somewhere. I, I yeah. just feel like I need something to work on. Um, and, yeah, so finished the Cadbury half in 2014 and my husband <laughs> always laughs. He, he laughs at me because throughout the entirety of the training for the half marathon, I would regularly say when I felt exhausted after my long runs or, you know, I, I would regularly say, I can't see anything appealing about running a marathon. It's just, I can never imagine wanting to run that far. I can never imagine trying to push myself to run that far. And then I crossed the finish line of the half marathon. And a couple of days later, I said, Nick, I think I want to enter a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) So he always gives me, he he teases me a lot about that because, um, yeah. yeah, It's like having a baby, I think. I think, I've had multiple babies. Yeah. I think you might have only had twins, so maybe you didn't have that experience. But um, you think I'm never going to yeah. have another baby. I'm never yes. going to have the baby. You have the baby. It's like, oh, we could probably have uh, another yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, no, I don't. So yeah, he teases me a lot because he and he frequently brings up, I never want to run a marathon. I never. No, there's nothing appealing about <laughs> running that far. Yeah. So then, yeah, I 
started training for the Cadbury Full Marathon, which I did. Wow. But in did you get two Fredo frogs for that? I haven't done that one. No, uh, I got the, the marathon. The marathon finishes bags where I was like, there better be a good amount of chocolate in here if I'm going to run that far. And they were actually very impressive. Oh, that's <laughs> they were very good. impressive. Yes. So I felt like it was worth it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yep. Yep. But yeah, then in amongst all of that, um, Nick was also, Nick was regularly um, cycling. So he was cycling mm-hmm. and riding. He was riding to work. So that was mm-hmm. his. His means of commute to work was his bike. Um, and here's me who hadn't gotten on a bike since I was probably six years old. And one day okay. he said to me, oh, do you want to, it's a really nice day. We could get on the bikes and go for a ride around like Bell Reef Foreshore. Or I was like, oh, I, yeah, okay. I suppose we could do that. I'm like, yeah, all right, why not? And yeah, so again, it was like that sort of pivotal moment where um, I got on the bike and was like, this is amazing. I love this. Like, I love it. It's like this feeling of the freedom and I'm still getting the exercise. and Going a bit faster. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And so then um, then the regular bike riding started. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, then Nick was making noises about, um, oh, I think I want to have a crack at um, this half Ironman, this triathlon business. I think I want to have a crack at this half Ironman business. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, righto. I'll support you if you want to do that, but you can do that on your own. That doesn't look like much fun. <laughs> of course, then, yeah, as the pattern goes, he started training for it. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that too. <laughs> so he finished his first half Ironman. Um, and I was like, I'm, I want to do that too. So that's, I started training for a half Ironman. <laughs> yeah. So did, what did yeah. you, how did you like the swimming, like the water part of it? Like you haven't mentioned Swimming at all in not yep. our conversation yeah. so far. So. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, and and like I reckon the last time I'd done anything, same thing as the bike. I reckon mm. the last time I'd done anything related to swimming was back in high school when you did the water mm. safety stuff. Yeah. So I've never been particularly good at swimming. I've never been particularly bad at it. I've never really hated it. Um, yeah. But it's not ever been something I had actively gone and pursued. Mm. So yeah, it was um, a very alien, like kind of getting myself reacquainted mm. with. Um, water with swimming yeah and yeah exactly and um yeah so I'm not you know I'm not the and I never have been the fastest swimmer but yeah I had to sort of relearn all the how you actually swam and the technique side of things and um yeah and worked on sort of building up the the distance and spent endless hours in the pool um so were you working at this stage so we've sort of traversed you know three or four years You'd gone yep. back to work and now mm-hmm. like one of the things I often thought, gee, triathlon would be fun, mostly after watching Hawaiian Iron Man you know, many, uh, yes. many years uh, ago. Yeah. Like, oh, I would do that. Yeah. Um, and then my brain goes, but that's that's three disciplines to fit in all of that training, you know, after you run plenty of marathons. And you just think, hmm, how do you do that? So how do you like you still full time sort of pressured kind of job? And as you pointed out before, I don't know if the the vet work was uh, still, you know, on call and, and that kind of stuff. But it's thankfully not. At, thankfully not at that stage. Okay. So thankfully, I wasn't. I'd stopped doing on call because, mm-hmm. yeah, um, no. So that at least wasn't something I had to contend with. Mm. But like, I get that question quite a lot. Like, how do you how yeah. how did you fit that all in? And I get that quite a bit. And like, my simple answer is always I I I had to because it again by this point it had become my like. Obsession. I started training. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it, it was. And that's and that's not a that's not a not not an exaggeration. Yeah. 
I started like I started training for triathlon and finding Ironman. Yeah. And it was like I'd found this like I'd found this bit of my myself and my world that I had no idea was missing. Wow. And I yeah, and it's like I started doing this training and was like I'm home. Like this is what I've been meant to do my whole life. I love it. So it was like it's not it wasn't even a question like you know yeah I've got a you know there's early morning sessions yeah. and there's the motivation sessions when I get through. Yeah. Mm. There's sessions when I get home from work and um you know there's the early morning Sunday mornings when I would much rather sleep in. Mm. But yeah at the end of the day it wasn't a question. It was just like the same thing about moving away to Western Australia like it was a bit mm. daunting and it was a lot to to do and take on but there was no question that it was going to happen because yeah it was just that was, have you ever like set a goal a big audacious scary goal and then not got it you know so like you've got the vet science and to me Iron Man is a bit in that kind of big scary audacious kind of goal <laughs> oh it still um, is for me it still is yeah. for me yeah it still is for me um that's a really good question. Um, well, look, nothing springs to mind. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that sounds very like, uh, yeah, I, I, nothing springs to mind. I just, you know, that's just, that's just me, I suppose. It's like, yeah. I, I feel like I, like, that's just how I function and how I need to function mm. and having something to work towards. Yeah. Um, and I often feel like I float a little bit if I don't mm-hmm. just drift a bit if I don't have a goal. Do um, you, like do you do much outside of the sport and work and obviously kid wrangling now, which you can really talk to a minute, um, did you do much stuff that was for you? Because a lot of people, you know, use their free time to, I don't know, they read and watch telly and I don't know, feel like they do lots of sedentary type of stuff maybe that's the word for it I don't know do you oh I still yeah I still do that yeah. absolutely so yeah. you know um yeah definitely so once the girls have gone to bed or mm-hmm. um you know there's absolutely recliner mm-hmm. and Netflix yeah. you know so, there's, so there you is do definitely rest. time for nice that. To hear. yeah there's definitely there's definitely <laughs> time for that and yeah there's definitely time for that and you know I like I um I, I learned fairly early especially with the mental health side of things that I don't yeah. cope very well when I'm really, really tired. So yeah. for me, like building in the rest is important. Mm-hmm. It's important to have that yeah. downtime. And, um, you know, coming back to the the conversation about introversion and extroversion, mm-hmm. I am very much an introvert, mm-hmm. very introverted. And my job being quite people focused, mm-hmm. you know, I often feel like I would get home and my people capacity was just my capacity for peopling was just exhausted gone so you know it was really it's really important for me to build in that time for the rest of the downtime because you know I I yeah I don't do well when I'm really really tired so it's important for me to be and of course I'm going to be tired with the work and the the training and things but I have to build it in so that I'm tired on my terms you know Mm. that it's not out of control tired if that makes sense yeah totally um so so you're training for a triathlon um I think uh how did that come off so obviously I believe you yep. have at least completed <laughs> yeah Not yeah just so I finished <laughs> yes yep so I finished my first half Ironman in Cairns in Queensland in 2017 or 18 mm-hmm. maybe 20, 2018 it must have been yeah. um yeah so I finished my my first oh sorry that's just mm. 
accent and voice now. Sorry, I've just got to yeah, just exactly. have a phone call coming in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so I finished my first half Ironman in 2018. Yeah. Um, and I, again, it was something like the half marathon where I crossed the finish line and it was like nothing in my life compares to this. This is wow. like that red carpet and the finish line and that feeling of accomplishment after seven hours on my feet. Yeah was like nothing compares to this this is like the best moment of my life and I am so happy and at peace and elated and content Mm -hmm. right now I don't remember ever feeling like this ever in my life and it's like yeah so it was like that first finish line it's just I will always remember that as Mm -hmm. the best day of my life one of the best days of my life because it was just yeah and it was like it was like the most extreme um the most extreme version of of kind of like working really working for something and mm-hmm. really putting in the effort and it's paid off so mm-hmm. that was such a rush and such a um just an amazing feeling that's so, awesome yeah so when I crossed that finish line I was like this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing this is what I it's want to do be. and what I need to do a triathlon is, yeah. vet <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> <something>. exactly exactly <laughs> Um, so, so you said yeah. you, you've got twins. When did they come mm-hmm. come about? So they were um, after I finished this first half Ironman in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, this was another um, moment that Nick gives me a lot of, um, I cop a lot of flack for this because, again, through the entirety of the half Ironman training, I had said, I never, ever want to train for an Ironman. I'm so tired just training for a half Ironman. I never, ever want to train for an Ironman. That looks disgusting. How can people go that far? I never want to do it. Cross the finish line at the half Ironman and then within 24 hours, we'd entered our first full distance Ironman. Wow, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so he did yeah. the, the Cairns one with you? Yep. Well. Yep. yep. So we both did that, that yep. half Ironman together. Oh, cool. And okay. yeah, within literally within the first 24 hours after crossing that finish line, we were on such a high that that was the, that was what we did. We registered for the first full Ironman, our first oh. full Ironman, because oh. that's what we wanted to do. And was in the middle of training for that when mm-hmm. um, I found out that, that I was pregnant. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a bit of a out of the blue sort of, oh, okay. You know, and we had <laughs> talked about sort of starting a family, but, you know, very much we were both intending on it being later when we'd sort of yeah. found Iron Man, you know, we'd only just discovered it and there was so much excitement and so much potential and so much more we wanted to do with it. And yeah. So when that came along in the middle of my training, um, it was a bit like, Oh, okay. Well, there's a bit of a, that's a bit of a spanner in the works, right? Okay. And then went to the first dating scan and went, Oh my God, there's two of them. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, that was in the midst mm. of sort of late 2018. Yes. early 2019 late late 2018 that we found out that we we're expecting the girls oh. um yeah and I'd, <laughs> uh, yeah I know and so we both entered this this full distance line man in Port Macquarie in New South Wales and um I said to Nick you know and and I did the maths um you know and at the time we were we were due to be married we were getting married in February of 2019 we were meant to be doing the Ironman in May 2019 mm-hmm. You know, so I got married when I we were, I was 26 weeks pregnant. Um, and I said to Nick, you know, you've put so much training in for this half, this Ironman. Um, I did the maths and I was going to be on race day 35 weeks pregnant. Um, and 
everyone said right from the start, you know, twins are going to come early. So yeah. you're going to expect, you have to expect <laughs> that these twins are going to come somewhere between 32 and 36 weeks. And so I did you the math. At the went, <laughs> yeah, well, and I, so I did the maths and I was going to be 35 weeks pregnant on race day. Right. But I said, I said to Nick, I was like, you have, you, you can't not do this. Like you have to go and do this race. Um, and so, yeah, at, when I was 35 weeks pregnant, he went off to do his first full Ironman in Port Macquarie. And I was like, I wasn't allowed to travel at that point. And you went to the was, hospital. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I was, so I was at home watching, um, watching the oh. tracker and watching the live feed of the event, desperately oh. hoping that I wouldn't go into labor. Um, the girls had they'd already tried to come earlier. I went into preterm labor when I was 30 weeks. So they'd already tried to come earlier. Um, yeah, so I was watching him finish on the live feed, crying my eyes out at 35 weeks pregnant because I was so proud and so jealous I couldn't be there and just desperately hoping that the girls would hang in there for another yeah. few days. Um, yeah, so then he got home on the Tuesday and we had babies on the Friday. Oh, that's so lovely. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, welcome. Welcome home, Nick. But kind of disappointing uh, at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So yeah. I did miss so that was yeah, that was meant yeah. to be my first one. I was thirty six weeks. I did the Bernie ten. And I said to my husband with our youngest, who's now nineteen, um, that it was okay because there was ambulances all the way along. And I just would like run one K and walk a K and run a K and walk a K, yeah. whatever. But anyway, that was fine. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I just watched him I, go for his own run. The no he's just headed off for a little run. So maybe that's why, because he was running could, so close to his birth. Yeah, possibly. Yep, yep. But uh, no, I couldn't even move by 35 weeks. Wow. I was so, yeah. yeah. So no, there was nothing for me to do except for sit in the recliner chair all day and watch him on the live feed. So, so yeah, babies so- come along and what do you, how long do you give yourself to be a mum? with twins <laughs> right before you head out the door and start moving oh, honestly I started to get moving again when as soon as I got the all clear from my c-section mm-hmm. so six weeks postpartum I was back weeks. sitting on the trainer yeah. yep um yeah which was just the same thing was just about keeping my like I I think I, I struggled a lot in the in the trenches of um mm-hmm. newborn twins because mm-hmm. A lot of, I think a lot of what I really struggled with, apart from the, like the sleep deprivation and yeah. the, you know, first time mum trying to breastfeed and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I really struggled with a loss of feeling like I'd lost my identity yeah. um, because all of a sudden I was, it wasn't mm. about me anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that was what I was. It was like, mm. and I can remember like the first time I was allowed to just go for a walk, pushing the pram, mm. the girls would have been uh, maybe two weeks old and I was allowed mm. to just walk them along the foreshore. I was walking along with the pram, bawling my eyes out because all I could think about was, you know, I used to, I used to be able to just go and run, and all of a sudden, like I used to run mm-hmm. this path so many times, but yeah. all of a sudden, I'm kind of like I'm I'm mum rather than just being Fran, and it was it was beautiful, and it, it, but it was really hard at the same time. So I felt a lot like I lost that kind of identity. It's a freedom and, too. You lose yeah, a bit of freedom. Yeah, the freedom. Like you yeah, can't exactly. just make a decision to go and, no, and do something go. and head out the door. Exactly. It requires multiple yep. just things yep. to happen. <laughs> yep, yep. And I used to, yeah, and I really, I did. I just cried at like the thought that I would, like this is where I'd previously just gone and run 35Ks along here. 
you know, and yeah. I used to be able to just do that and just go. Whereas now it's, yeah, I just felt a bit like I'd lost my identity. Mm. So it was really important for me um, to get back to mm-hmm. like some semblance of normality, just feeling like yeah. I could ground myself again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was six weeks when the girls were, um, you know, when I was um, cleared for, for exercise yeah. again. So that was just sitting on the trainer and doing the easiest, you know, 15 minute spinning my legs that I'd ever done in my life. But yeah, it was a start. And like from there, just started to build back, you know, started to really try and build that back in. So Um, that was, was it May 2019? Did you say? Yeah. So then you only would have had potentially nine months before COVID became a. Yes. Yeah. I was home. Yes. I was home on, yeah. I was home on maternity leave when, Mm. um, when COVID was a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think like, I feel a little bit, I guess, fortunate in that respect Mm. in that we're already staying home quite a bit with newborn twins anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't Um, a big sudden change to your. No, it wasn't massive. Mm -hmm. No, it wasn't massive. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, it was a big deal getting the two of them out of the house doing anything. I actually, so, yeah, we my mum's had four children. Um, oh. Actually, had five. One, one died at birth. But I'm the only one who's not a twin. So she had me. Oh, then wow. a year, oh. two years later, she no. had um, uh, identicals. But one of one died at birth, and then a year later, she had a non-identical set. So she had four of us oh, alive. But but I'm the only one who's not a twin. So I say I'm the special one. <laughs> I else. take my hat. I take my hat off to her. <laughs> what an amazing lady. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Anyway, I would never want twins. <laughs> it's too much hard work. Oh, look, you know what? I love them wow. to pieces, but, yeah, we're, we're, we're done. We're not having any more. No, that's <laughs> it. Completely done. Family's made. Got the... Exactly. Are exactly. they identical? Or... Identical? No, they're, no, they're fraternal. Yeah. Fraternal, they're very, oh. very different. Yeah, very oh. different. That's easy to tell yeah. them apart then. <laughs> oh, look, I was terrified. I was terrified during pregnancy. I didn't know because they were both girls. I didn't yeah. know whether they were going to be identical or not. Um, and I was terrified I'd be one of those mums who who would never be able to tell her own children apart. But well, as soon as they came, as soon as they came out, I was like, yeah, no. That's don't want to break it to you, but um, it's quite common. At least I've had five children, right? So when we go to school, when they're in school and they're all in uniform, it's not and like I've many times in my child, my kids' schooling, I've had gone to the school, opened the classroom door, looked out, and they all look the same. Oh, and I cannot. Like, what do you mean? I can't uh, spot my own child in this class of twenty five. Oh, look! <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, they've all got a uniform on or whatever, and um, I always felt guilty about that. <laughs> so, mum can't even spot my own child. It's yeah, quite well, that's what I was convinced. That was what I was convinced I was going to do. I was like, I'm going to have these yeah. I'm going to have no idea which one's which. But no, they were very right from when they came out. I was like, oh yeah, that's not a question. That's fine. <laughs> that's good. All right. Yep. So you've had the kids. Um, are you? Mm-hmm. Did you then, because you're very goal driven, like you, did you give yourself another goal to start training for now to get well, yourself? Yeah, when I um, when I so as soon as I was allowed to start back in that six mm-hmm. weeks postpartum, um, my goal was Ironman. Okay. I wanted that. I wanted that full Ironman. Mm-hmm. So I entered um, Bustleton Western Ironman Western Australia yeah. um in 2020. Um, and yeah, when the girls, so as soon as I was allowed to start exercising, that's what, that's what I was training for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, 
that was that was the one that ended up that got cancelled because of COVID. Someone asked it. Did so, they get cancelled? Mm, I don't know what time it got cancelled. Yep, yep, in December twenty twenty. Mm. So that was cancelled, which was devastating. Oh, well, West um, Australia was pretty tight with the COVID too towards the end, wasn't it? Like really, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, mm. We were yeah, and we were lucky to be able to get there in twenty twenty one, which is when when we we did that, but. Yeah, it was cancelled and I was devastated. It was like, I don't know how I'm going to find that, you know, because the training for the Ironman had gone up by a lot volume-wise. And at the time I was working four days a week, you know, raising, they were, you know, one, one and a half, two. They were, you know, so they were going through the, um, oh, actually that was something that I I did um, along the way was the uh, Cairns Half Ironman again. I did that in 20 must have been June 2020 so that was just like a sort of a um was meant to be a stepping stone to Bustleton Mm -hmm. but was again like another goal to kind of keep me on track and keep me motivated um so yeah I'd gone through the half Ironman training was ramping up into the full Ironman Mm -hmm. training and boom it's cancelled um you're gonna have to wait another 12 months you know all dressed up nowhere to go and nowhere to go (laughs) and it was it was devastating because it was like you know 20 to 25 hours a week of training and it was yeah, then it was it was cancelled, and I'm like, how am I going to sustain this for another year to get do it in 2021? Mm-hmm. So I rolled our entries over for 2021, um, and yeah, got to that was um, the year that um, the that we had that absconder, the COVID of the guy who um, oh yeah yeah and you had yeah that little he lockdown. broke out of yeah. yeah and he broke out of he broke out of his quarantine facility and went and spread COVID all around the north yeah. of the state. So it was very touch and go as far as whether we'd be allowed in. That was uh, six or eight weeks out of um, out from the event, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, all of a sudden my two years of training was being threatened by this guy who escaped quarantine. Oh. So I, we were watching things on tenterhooks. Um, but thankfully, it, we, they didn't close the border to us. They were watching things quite closely for a while. But yeah, eventually, finally managed to get over there in 2021 um, and get my full Ironman. Finish and how was that? That was like the Cairns half Ironman, my first half Ironman yeah. finish, mu- multiplied by about a million. Wow. It was like, yeah. So it was like. in the meantime, you've had kids, you know, COVID, you know, and yeah. two missed events because of the pregnancy and the and mm, COVID. That's right. It's like, yeah. wow. Mm. Yeah. So it was like, you know, and adding up the time that had gone into it, mm. like before kids and, you know, so the time that I had been actually working towards crossing this finish line, it was about four years in the making. Wow. So it was like, you know, the emotion when I finally crossed that finish line after something that I had had in the pipeline and I had been working solidly towards for four years. Yeah. Um, it was just like, I just like nothing I could describe. And I, you know, I'm not particularly fast, so it was 15 hours later that I crossed mm-hmm. that finish line, um, and I just, yeah, it was. I can't describe it. It was like the pinnacle of my life. <laughs> you yeah. know, it was like, I what's next then? This thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you're at well, the top, uh, next. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think, and I feel like Iron Man is the distance I found that I really gel with, that I really yeah. want to continue doing. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, it was a, I, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I was training for my next, next full Ironman. So that was December, 2021. Mm. Um, I was training for my next full Ironman, which was going to be Cairns next year, 2020. Mm. What are we now? 20, it was going to be Cairns 2023. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, and I got uh, involved in quite a serious accident while I was out of my bike. Um, mm-hmm. So I was 
got on one of my long rides with my husband um, yeah. and we were down South Arm way along South Arm Road, just coming back from um, Cremorne down there towards Seven Mile Beach and a distracted driver um, came and hit me with his car, hit my bike from behind. Um, yeah. So I got hit by a car while I was out riding. Yeah. Um, and I, um, I don't remember anything about it. I've mm-hmm. got a four day sort of window of amnesia around, around that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what happened. Um, but from the witness accounts that we've heard, um, I went, uh, the bike went under the car. I went over mm-hmm. the bonnet, over the roof of the car and then hit the ground, um, mm-hmm. which I don't remember anything of. And I it's sustained a broke. Than under the, under the car, I suppose. Very, uh, yeah, very, very <laughs> much better. Um, mm, but yeah, I sustained pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, mm. Yes, I sustained, I I broke my back and I got a, um, uh, sustained a traumatic brain injury in it. Um, So that's where I've been for the last six months. Um, So did you have to go to hospital for quite a long time? I was in, I was in for about, um, it would have been uh, about 10 days. So Mm -hmm. not as long as I could have been, seven to 10 days. Um, I was lucky in that the fractures, the spinal fractures weren't anything that needed. They weren't surgical. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't, you know, they didn't affect. I was, yeah, I was very lucky in that I didn't mm-hmm. suffer any sort of like paralysis or, mm-hmm. you know, any of those um, sorts of effects. Um, but, yeah, I did have a severe um, concussion and a traumatic brain injury. So, um, you know, I was discharged after, the, you know, that that sort of seven to ten day mark and, um yeah pretty much the last six months has been a bit of a a blur of recovery and yeah um post concussion I've um been diagnosed with with what's called um post concussion syndrome so which Mm -hmm. is basically where the symptoms of concussion persist for more than two weeks post incident um and is often quite um closely linked to like the speed of the impact and that sort of thing which was you know for me pretty decent it was a you know 70k an hour flattened Mm -hmm. by the car sort of thing so it was quite a severe you know I I think I was as well as the sort of the spinal fracture side of things I was probably quite lucky that my brain injury wasn't worse Mm. um but yeah so I've been diagnosed with this post-concussion syndrome which is um persistent concussion symptoms for more than two weeks post-accident so that for me um, entails um, daily headaches, dizziness, mm. um, nausea, memory problems, um, yeah. concentration issues, brain fog, all of that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and it's that's something that's hampered my sort of training and recovery and my return mm. to work a lot more than my spinal fractures have. So those wow. have those have um, have healed. I've got a soft tissue mm-hmm. sort of fallout from that, so I'm still you know going through a lot of um, soft tissue rehab and um, correction as far as that goes. But yeah, the post-concussion syndrome, um, it's a bit poorly understood. Um, mm. Nobody really knows how long. So um, the prognosis, will... which is a question I was thinking of is, um, yeah, who knows um, how prog- long is a piece I mean, <laughs> Yeah. And prog- I mean, prognosis is generally good. People generally mm. go back to a fairly normal function, but the, how long is a piece of string as far as the timeline. Mm. So yeah. You know, I've generally been told that could be anything from three months up to five years. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it feel like yeah, it's improving so, to you? Like, do you feel like you're making? Uh, I, I'm definitely better than I was six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, daily for me, it's still a battle as far as um, the other two sort of major things that come with post-concussion syndrome for a lot of people mm-hmm. is fatigue. So 
serious, very, really severe fatigue. Um, And um, um, the biggest fallout for me has been a mental health deterioration. So um, severe sort of um, almost new new presentation of a major sort of depressive episodes and anxiety. Yeah. Um, so yeah, which I guess has been really frustrating in that for me, the way to cope with that is physical activity and training, yeah. but yeah, that's something I've, you know, I'm certainly working towards and I am doing, um, mm. with my sights set on the half Ironman in February yeah. in Hobart. Um, <laughs> but it's been a, you know, it's been very much like a working really closely with, you know, concussion physios and my GP and um, hydrotherapists. And, you know, so it's been a pretty massive undertaking and having to be yeah. done very carefully because mm. a lot of it's, you know, it's heart rate based and a lot of it, you know, if I have a dizziness, I can't swim yet because I, mm. I can't turn my head in the mm. pool without really severe dizziness. So I have to swim yeah. in the snorkel. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and I have to be, you know, just being careful about if my heart rate sits, hits a certain point, um, it'll bring on symptoms. So when you're you're running, is it, is the impact, because it's an impact kind of sport, does that cause any issues as well? Because it would be running up and down, I suppose. I thought it would. I thought the, the jarring and the the impact. Logic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually, it's more of a heart rate based thing. So when my heart rate approaches, yeah, which is apparently quite common. um, So it's more of a heart rate based thing. So when my heart rate approaches certain zones, um, Mm -hmm. I will, it's about, getting used to what I can push through and Mm -hmm. so yeah certain heart rates will set off symptoms things like dizziness and nausea and headaches so they're Mm -hmm. some of the biggest things I have to deal with yeah um but yeah it's about being careful with things like you know dizziness and being in the water or dizziness and being on the bike don't mix very well so yeah um running that's where <laughs> yeah not that being dizzy yeah. and running is that great but um at but least it's, it might it's reduce certainly better than, yeah it's better than the bike in the water so that's where running a um, bubble yep exactly <laughs> wow. but yeah my jason my coach on your previous episode yeah. um has been yeah really very he's been instrumental in that because it's been a lot of watching my program and watching my numbers and mm. you know the input into the load the load that i can handle um mm. You know, because because being cleared to train carefully for the half Ironman and actually doing it has been, mm. you know, it's been really difficult. Sort of trying to with the careful overcome the fact, the important word, yeah, exactly. Mm. And you know, and in amongst that, um, um, you know, the fatigue and the mental health issues, and you know, yeah. everything that's sort of um throwing a bit of a spanner in the works when it mm. comes to just trying to parent three and a half year olds and do my training and mm. work towards getting back to work and mm. yeah. And, you know, so it's more important than ever for me at the moment to get my training sessions in because mm. as it's Otherwise everything has, else would crumble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And that's what it is that keeps me going is the fact that, mm. yeah, I can get out and I can do my training and I can feel like I'm working towards something again. And, you know, mm. um, as it always has been a pattern, um, the yep. mental health is, is something that suffers if I don't manage to sort of get that in. And I've, you know, spent a lot of the time of the last six months wallowing and being, you know, like, this yeah. is not fair. Why me? Why is it? Yeah. Why? Why? Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, it is what it is. And what helps me to be able to deal with that is getting moving and getting my mm-hmm. training sessions in. And I've got a goal to work towards. And yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, that your whole story up to this point has proved that you are very strong mentally. I mean, 
mental health stuff has nothing to do with the strength of the of your brain. If you if you want to do something, you've already proved. I think I asked you, is there anything you wanted to do that you and you you could not think of one thing? So, you know, I don't think this is going to stop you. Then if if uh, our past experiences teaches us what our future might be like, then you know, that seems to be you can definitely overcome this. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think I I can. Um, it's just it's frustrating sometimes feeling like it's taking as long as it is, you know. And it, I guess it's kind of different in that when I've set my mind to a goal before, there's been none of those sort of real physical barriers in no the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this time, you know, it doesn't matter how much discipline I have. If I wake up one morning and I have a cracking headache and vertigo, I can't get out and get my long ride done. So, you know. Um, Can you imagine why when you cross the finish line this next time, you know, you said it was 10 times, 100 times, I'm sure it'll be a million <laughs> times as as, uh, as awesome oh, because you know, know the adversity you've had to go through to get there. I know. and uh, Yeah. And I think mm. it will be, yeah, which is why I feel like I need to, I need to do it. I need to cross mm. the finish line because of what it not necessarily like I've sort of done the distance before, but so what represents. it more what it represents. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah. So there is still a question mark over whether I'll be ready to do that because, yeah. and, and this is, this is why I'm working so closely with Jace. Um, yeah. And I feel very grateful to, you know, to have somebody who can honestly tell me you're not ready for mm-hmm. you're not ready for this. Yeah. You know, you're not your numbers are not where they they're not yeah. where they need to be. And, um, and you feel... know, going back to the conversation earlier, it's well if if you're not ready, so what? Like what? There yeah, are other things. Exactly. That, there are other yeah. uh, Ironmans coming up. You know, it just means exactly that yeah. um, exactly. that you need to choose a different one. You know, six exactly. months, a year down the track, or whatever. Exactly. However long it takes, there are. That's right. Oh wait, they'll still be there for you. Mm, that's right. That, that's exactly that right. Stuff. But it's like, mm. yeah, exactly. And it's but it's it's really good, you know, to actually like to remember that you've said that because it's so much harder to <laughs> yeah. take your own advice when it's you in the situation. Oh, it yes. really is. It is. This but is it's just true. All for me, really, these conversations. <laughs> it's oh, actually well. my own. <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> you know, it is though. It's, it's hard to take your own advice and it's hard when you're in the trenches of it to yeah. think this is another thing. It will pass. It will pass. Yeah, but you just have to get through there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So like I am, you know, I am lucky enough to be back riding and running and swimming carefully with guidance, but I'm lucky enough to do that. So yeah, yeah um, all going to plan. Um, I should be lining up for the Hobart Half Ironman in February, um, yep. but there's a lot to be, you know, to be tested and determined and done yeah. before then. So yeah. yeah. So what is your training looking like now? What you just in general. Are you how how often do you run a week? Uh, I run usually about twice a week. Um, okay. And do you run by yourself or with your husband or with the squad? Or? I whatever comes. Um, I find that you know, especially trying to parent the girls. The girls are mm. like, um, it makes a lot of the training just take what you can get type thing. Mm. So if I have a gap <sighs> to go and get a run done, yeah. um, then it doesn't. You know, it's it's by myself if that's what it has to be, yeah. which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. I quite enjoy running by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tend to be, you know, as my Ironman finish, you know, I was pretty slow for that. So like 15 hours is pretty slow. Um, but 
<laughs> well, you know, I, it's pretty slow. Like I just could yeah. sort of plod along and get it done. Mm. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about, you know, the fact that I'm a lot slower than everyone else and uh, I can just be, you know, sort of uh, find it a good thing, good time to just work through, mm. you know, t- take the time to think and to, you know, to feel like I'm just getting a bit of mindfulness in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I quite like running by myself. I also equally, I'll go with people if they're running at the same time. You know, I've yeah. got a couple of squad members that I can who are training for the same thing that I can um, message and say, hey, I'm going right now. Do you want to come? Sometimes they'll say yes. Um, yeah. You know, if it fits, I'll go with Nick and yeah. Tubby. So, yeah, I just kind of take what I can get, really. Do you listen to stuff when you're running? Sometimes. Yeah. It depends on, yeah, um, sometimes I just don't feel like it. I want to run just with you know, the sound of a nice day um, mm. or just being able to think. Sometimes I don't want to, sometimes if I'm really tired or I need the extra motivation um, mm. or I don't want to get lost in my thoughts for that length of time, I'll put music on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it depends a lot on the day and what yeah, I'm feeling. What's going yeah. on. Mm. Um, you know, we often talk in the podcast about, you know, our, our identity, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I think we've even touched on a little bit on identity before with, you know, you you're going to be a vet. You're going to be a vet. You're going to be a vet. I am a vet. <laughs> it's like, now you're a triathlete. Um, in your mind, can you think of it? When did you first call yourself a runner or an athlete or whatever it is you want to term? I still, I still don't think of myself as an athlete. I still really struggle to think of myself as an athlete. Um, but probably like I, I it was when I started doing triathlon I think that I started yeah. referring to myself as a triathlete yeah and I still yeah I still do find that hard um yeah. because it's like you know triathlete or athlete is meant for people who are much much faster and much better than I am but yeah um I it was probably when I finished that Cairns half Ironman for the yeah. first time that I started yeah. to call myself a triathlete and think oh maybe I actually maybe I actually am <laughs> but I never thought of myself as athletic or athlete or anything before then so isn't that funny because because mm. you not necessarily have that same hold that same mirror up to other people like if you saw someone yeah, else yeah out, no, irrelevant exactly. of their speed or time or shape or whatever you would they're, still they're a runner they're, they're a runner. doing it yeah. they're a runner they're doing exactly. it they're a triathlete or whatever it is you would exactly um, it's interesting how we yeah. our own perception of, of us is is often not the same as how we perceive others. Um, exactly. So how long do you think you'll be an athlete for? <laughs> Forever. I <laughs> run for. <laughs> Forever, as, as long as I possibly can. And when yeah. I can't run, I'll walk. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, it's it's so much about who I am these days mm. um, that I don't think that's ever going to stop. What, um, do you, what do your family think? Like, not your, obviously your husband's the same as you and the, and the kids don't know any different your extended family so oh they are like I you know I do get the odd sort of um like why you know but (laughs) generally very supportive and very you know very very um really supportive and really wow that's amazing you know like yeah so I I, I'm lucky enough to have a very supportive sort of group of people around yeah so we actually don't realize I think sometimes the effect or inspiration or whatever you want to call it that we have for people who've known us pre and post of our endeavors. Like I've found um, even in my own family that some cases of that where I reflect now after, you know, all these years that I've been running and see where it's had an effect, even, you know, nieces and nephews and 
and all that kind of stuff and that they've only known me one way but you can see that it's like well someone in my family is you know does physical something i.e. running for me um deliberately you know they don't just do it because they're running to catch a bus or whatever and they're an adult so I guess now I'm an adult I can do keep doing that kind of stuff too don't just have to stop at the school fence if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah, absolutely and um yeah I I have a couple of like sort of younger second cousins who have Mm. made comments to that effect that oh you know um honey Fran went and you know rode her bike for 180 kilometers and then you know um yeah, oh, she ran, um, for and then she ran for <laughs> then she ran for you know she was she was out there. I like yeah, it's just like my like overhearing them sort of telling their friends and and it's just really nice. Like it's like you know these kids who have known me pre and yeah. then sort of watched as I've trained for and done that. Um, it's really nice to think like that they're excited and telling their friends and maybe it's something that they can aspire to if they want to one day um so it's really I feel quite often yeah I often feel quite humbled by it because it's Mm -hmm. like yeah as you say if you held the mirror up to anyone else anyone else doing that it's like oh that is so amazing and so inspirational Mm -hmm. and you know then when you sort of apply it to yourself it's like oh it's just you know I'm just me but Yeah. yeah then when you actually you hear like your sort of younger second cousins almost boasting about it it's like oh that's really special like it and then you're just sort of feeling like I, I really hope that that can be some sort of positive experience for them in that, you know, yeah. what if you want to go and do your Ironman? Of course you can. You just have to work at it. Exactly. You know? so, set yeah. a goal and work out how to get there. It's easy. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so easy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's, yeah, easy, so easy. <laughs> it's the getting yourself out the door every day that's sometimes yeah, not so easy. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what kind of running specifically do you like the most? Do you prefer trail or road or um, track? I am incredibly injury prone. So mm. trail, I love trail and I love hiking and bushwalking, but it doesn't agree with my body. Yeah. Um, so as much as I would love to do more trail, um, yeah. uh, the ones that I really enjoy are like a really nice Saturday morning when it's a beautiful day and I have the time. It's just me um, yeah. and I can just go and just run at a low heart rate, which mm-hmm. you know doesn't, I'm, yeah, I'm not super fit at the moment, so that doesn't often happen, but I can just go and do a long aerobic run mm-hmm. and I may or may not listen to music, but you know, a couple of hours later, I've just had yeah. my me time and I've been out in the out in the sunshine and yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the sort of runs that I love the most yeah just enjoyed it mm. just ticked over the the legs yeah. and 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 being outside and yeah you're not a um, treadmill runner at all just out no, of don't like it no yeah, no I mean I will if I will if I have to but yeah I much prefer to be outside whereas when I first started my very first foray into you know sort of running and training yeah. and training for the Lonnie 10 I was always treadmill and I oh, would wow never get out onto the road because I think um that's just I I'd, I'd, I'd never that's just how I started training was mm. on the treadmill at the gym at yeah, the gym yeah, um of yeah so it was always treadmill but yeah then once it started getting longer and I started getting out on the road that was like oh yeah that's that this is this yeah. is where I'm yeah this is what I like so. I was listening to a book this morning interestingly where they were talking about their history of treadmills and why you know <laughs> some people don't have like have an aversion to them and they Ugh. he was thinking maybe it's built into our history because 
one of the original things for them was like in prisons and people were just literally put on a treadmill. Well, oh, look, was, I it can, looked I a bit can. different, like a mouse's circle like, or something, but it, yeah. it was a punishment. <laughs> so oh, was, look, I can totally oh understand that. I can, so I can funny. see how it can be happily used as a torture device. Yeah. Went, oh, uh, gosh. Um, yeah. There you go. I thought that was kind of amusing. It was either, yeah, go on the treadmill <laughs> or get sentenced to Van Diemen's Land. <laughs> Oh, God. Honestly, a lot of the time I would pick Van Diemen's Land. I think, I think I so. Take... <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Anyway, um, if you reflect a little bit, how, I mean, uh, and it always seems like a silly question when we hear stories like yours, but um, where do you think running has improved your life? Like if you didn't have it in your life, what would your life be like? Mm, I think it would be a lot less rich, a lot less. Um, yeah, I, I think it. It just feels like it um, enriches things for me, I suppose, and it it feels like it lets me. It's going to sound very cliche and a bit silly, but it feels like it lets me kind of be the version of myself that I want to be. Yeah, you know, so I can feel like I can be a better parent and be better at my job and mm-hmm. be a better partner. And I feel like I would struggle a lot more with a lot of those things if I didn't have running. Yeah, and I physical think, activity in general. I think that, um, again, this book I'm reading at the moment called Footnotes, which I did mention in the last podcast. <laughs> if anybody wants to actually have a look at it, uh, I put it in the show notes of the previous podcast. Um, but they talk about being grounded and and how, mm. and it, you know, he particularly does a bit of barefoot running as well, but he was really talking about how we're moving our body and the history again of, of, um, of running for humans and, and how it does bring us back to ourselves a bit, even, you know, just even if we're re- using running shoes, <laughs> which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. what yep. I tend to do most of the time. Um, so that kind yeah. of ties into what you're saying a little bit as well, that it kind of brings you back to to who you are and and helps you to then be able to deal with with everything that life throws at us, which I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, I think grounding is a really good way to describe mm-hmm. that. I feel that's exactly what it does. It, mm-hmm. yeah, it helps keeps things, it, it keeps things in perspective. It helps yeah. keeps me keep it helps keep me grounded. Mm. Um, I think that's a really good way to describe it. Um, I think, you know, like I think I feel like there's a lot of introspection that goes on when you're out there for a long long ride or a long mm. run mm-hmm. and you're in your head for that length of time. And I think that it's it. I feel like that there's a lot of um, something that I really struggled with as a teenager and, you know, when I was a bit younger was sort of self-worth and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that's been quite heavily um, influenced by running and physical activity because I feel like there's a lot of realisation of, like, yourself. You get to know yourself and you get Mm. to know, you know, your own self-worth when you're out there and you're in your own head for that length of time. And it's, you know, that first discovery of, hey, I can actually do these really hard things. Like, you know, I I went from, um, you know, I may not be... I may not be really pretty. I may not be really skinny. I may not be, you know, I may not have all the all of the latest and greatest gear, but you know what? I can get out there and I can finish mm. a half Ironman and I'm brave and I'm strong and I can keep going mm. when things are difficult. And there's a lot of just sort of been a lot of self-worth discovery for me in that. Mm. So That's really powerful. Like, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Take, like everything else you mentioned there is very surface, it, being brave and being able to, to start something and then finish thing, something that's hard and getting mm, comfortable and with being do... uncomfortable is like, yep. what can't you do then? If you can, if you can do I an Ironman, it's not much that yeah. um, you can't do. 
Yeah. And you know, yeah, and I can do these hard things, and it's like it just that's me, just an average, an average Joe who has never been particularly athletic. Always spent a large majority of my life battling mental health issues, being overweight. Mm. You know, so I'm just an average person who just decided that they wanted to sort of do something mm. spectacular, really. And it's like yeah. almost kind of like, oh God, if I can do it, anyone can. You know, yeah. you just if you want, and that's I guess what I want to try and really teach my girls is that you know if you want something you can do whatever you want you just have to work you just have to work at it that's all yeah yeah you just have Mm. to be prepared to get uncomfortable in order to Mm. achieve it if it's a particularly challenging thing yeah exactly Hmm. yeah I love that your story has so much inspiration for people thank you for sharing (laughs) it it's amazing well thank you thank you for having me on before we go there's a couple of things first is there anything about running that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share um, I think like, I think, um, one of the realizations over the time that I've been doing it is that like, sometimes it's just, you know, it doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter how far you go. Just, you know, you, you just get out there and do it. Like yeah. it, it, it just, sometimes just take the pressure off yourself, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. which is something that I, again, I've often been fairly driven and perfectionist type, yeah. you know, personality. <laughs> um it's something I've often like struggled to come to terms with but these days it's like it just doesn't matter just go out and and take your pressure off and and go for a run it doesn't have to be based on the numbers and it doesn't have to be based on all that just sometimes you just need to just do it without all that and enjoy it Mm. find the space to enjoy it Uh, again that book that I mentioned earlier that talks about that Yeah, yeah. For joy, not I, just running like, for time or running for yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Running for Sounds joy. Sounds like I need to read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah running really for joy. Good. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Really good. Anyway, all right. Um, so to wrap it up, if somebody came up to you, Aunt Fran, and said, "I'd love to start running," what would you suggest they do to get started? Uh, first thing I would say, go and get decent running shoes. Mm. Get fitted for decent running shoes. Mm. Don't try and run in, you know just anything yeah yeah exactly go and get fitted and get proper running shoes would be the first thing um and probably second second um don't forget to do strength training in there Mm. it's like it's you know in especially once you kind of start with the high volume stuff I think it's really um it's it's easy to drop that sort of stuff and it's hard to prioritize and find time for that but it's really important I think as far as injury prevention and you know, so building in a good sort of strength routine it just prevents so many issues yeah, um, I love later that. on that's down the track. Probably my kryptonite, like most oh, it's, runners. <laughs> absolutely, it's the same recovery and and the strength stuff. Mine too, and I suffer for it. You know, I really do. Exactly. I'm very injury. I'm injury prone, and I'm better when I'm doing my strength training and my yeah. recovery. Yeah. So yeah, I, again, it's do as I say, not as I do. Totally take my exactly. advice, but don't look at what I'm doing. <laughs> But uh, like I know, logically I am. I'm much better when I get the strength training in there yeah. and I get injured less and I, you know, I'm much stronger and I, I feel like my performance is a lot better. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I know the, the mm-hmm. best year I had in um, my marathon careers um, was the year that I was consistent going to the gym and work doing strength work. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, I know. And uh, But it is though, it's so easy when, you know, the volume increases and you're tired yeah. and it's really easy for that to be one of the first things that drops yeah. off. Um, but it's so important. Yeah, I love that. That just reminds me. Like I said, this podcast is only about reminding me the things I should be doing. (laughs) Totally, absolutely. (laughs) Things to things to take away. Yeah, reminders from Michelle. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. Should be. I might change the name of the podcast. (laughs) Just keep Michelle running. (laughs) Yep, sounds perfect. (laughs) 
All right, friend, don't go after I uh, say goodbye because I'll say goodbye to you off the podcast as well. But a massive thank you for joining us and being so vulnerable and sharing so much. I think it'll be very valuable for many people. So thank you. No, it's, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I, I do think it's a really important conversation to have. And mm. I think, yeah, just sort of that takeaway that, you know, nothing's that bad, that you can't talk about it. And exactly. yeah, I just, I do think it's an important conversation to have. And I thank you for what you're doing on the podcast, which is, is starting that conversation, which is often the first step, but such a, a hard thing to do. Yeah, true. Well, thanks, Brent. It's been awesome to get to know you. No, likewise. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.